Welcome to Fueling the Revenue Engine. My name is Roz Greenfield, co-founder and chief enablement officer at Level 213. This podcast was created as a response to requests that we've gotten from the enablement community looking for resources to support them as they navigate this evolving landscape of enablement. As we look to the future of our profession, we believe that this is a great time to connect with other enablement leaders for discussions that take a closer look at relevant enablement topics. It's our hope that this podcast provides insight, guidance, and support to the go-to-market enablement and sales leadership community during both prosperous and challenging times alike. We're coming to you from San Francisco, California, where we are in the middle of figuring out what the impact of the coronavirus will be now and in the long term. For the immediate future, we are still under a shelter-in-place order here, which means that we're using conferencing technology instead of studio sessions to put this podcast together. As such, please excuse any fluctuations in our audio. Today, we welcome our guest expert, Jill Clark. Jill is a content creator, instructional designer, and a coach who has a really unique insight into how to equip salespeople to increase sales and also client retention through engaging learning and experiences. And I think I love that extra coach um, capacity in there because I think that really gives it a very unique view into uh, the work we're doing here. What we're gonna be talking about today is how to design training that works specifically for salespeople. Welcome, Jill. We're so happy to have you with us today. Where are you speaking to us from and how are you holding up? Hey, Roz. Hey, everyone. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I am talking to you from Snohomish, Washington, small town about 45 minutes drive from Seattle. Um, moved up here a few years ago after many years in the Bay where I met you and a lot of our, our friends in the network. Um, so yeah, a sleepy little town um, by the mountains is where I live now. I would rather be recording at your house than at my house. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> thank you for taking the time to uh, have this conversation with us today. Of course. Thank you for the invitation. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because you bring such a wealth of experience and I think your career leading up to where you are today as a sales content and curriculum consultant mm -hmm. really is a really interesting path. So can you briefly share with us the path that you took to get to where you are today? Yeah, it's, it seems really disparate until it all came together. Um, my, um, my major in college was actually magazine journalism and oh, wow. public relations. I, I did split uh, or double major. And then I also worked in radio and uh, loved working in media, but it's pretty hard to get a job in media straight out of college. And so I ended up going into advertising um, and that led me into sales. And so ultimately I was a sales for a few years and I just felt like it, it was just kind of like a groundless time in my life. Um, so I, I stepped away, worked into, um, worked in people coaching for a while, did some um, study work around uh, helping people bring about positive change. And then it all started together with an opportunity to work in sales enablement, which was pretty new in 2012, and uh, bring all of those skills together. And I've been doing it ever since. I love how the, the sales plus the coaching left you, led you to sales enablement, because I think that's such a, a perfect combination of what sales enablement has to understand, right? You have to understand mm -hmm. sales and, and, and the sales motion and the sales people, but you, there's such a big component of it, of empowering people and coaching people and, and mentoring people through. And so I think your experience of that all, and then, you know, your media background too, which I don't even think I knew just adds a whole nother component to that. And so I, I just love the experience and I'm really excited that you are willing to have this conversation with us. What is your background in instructional design or how did you learn your instructional design skills? Trial by fire and empathy. Um, yeah. So 
that was another interesting thing was that it seemed like there'd be more sales enablement discussion at a company before they started bringing in instructional designers in a sales environment. Usually the IDs were working with the HR team, you know, and more like, um, you know, personal growth training or stress management or something like that. Um, and so compliance maybe. And so I thought it was really interesting that um, we were being trusted to figure out how to do this without really any formal training. Yeah. Um, so I relied on my journalism training with, um, you know, just covering everything someone needs to know, um, you know, whittling down as much as possible to deliver it in a succinct manner. Um, thinking about the visual representation. My professor um, who taught me everything I needed to know in magazine design, Dr. Samir Husney would say, um, you need to try to figure out how to have more information in less time and less space. Oh, and, I love that. Isn't that great? So I just kept coming back to that, like this, there's too much going on here. We need to whittle it down. And um, I would say that as well as the experience of being a salesperson and understanding the, the frustrations a salesperson has as well as what makes them tick. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then I try something and it would go horribly wrong. And I'd be like, right, never doing that again. (laughs) And then something else would catch on and work great and just kept getting iterations and now feel pretty confident, but there's always so much more more to learn. Yeah. I love that. And I love how the the journalism um, aspect of it, you bring into it. Cause I think that that's something that I see that a lot of sales name when people who come from, especially when they come from, to your point, we're not, many are non-instructional designers and come from either the sales angle or the marketing angle and, and are missing that piece and you clearly have it. And so, you know, it's really interesting to hear that you have it from journalism and from marketing and there's a big part of storytelling, right. And mm-hmm. in, in journalism and marketing. And I, and I love that, that you're bringing in that, that aspect of it. I actually learned that went back to learn it when I got into sales enablement because it was the piece that I was missing. And I think that that's why I'm really excited about this conversation because I think a lot of sales enablement people are like asking themselves, like, how do we, how do we make it engaging and, and making it, could you say that again? What did you say? Uh, uh, Dr. Husney's, yeah. Yes. More information and less time and less space. And he will be tickled pink to know that I'm referencing uh, his teachings over 20 years after I took them. He's, I love um, it. And I'm yeah. going to quote him he on it and use it. Because mm-hmm. that's something, I, that, I mean, if bottom line, I think we could stop talking right now, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, you know, that, it's just so brilliant. And I love it. So thank you for sharing that. So getting into, you know, the, the challenges, right? So we're going to start with like, when I think about designing training for adults in general, like I always remind myself that the people who are consuming the training or participating in the program, they have a j- day job to complete and their job is not to complete the training, right? So anything... No. Right. It's, it's not, it's supposed to help them to be able to do their day job, but, and it has to help them be able to do their day job and make a really significant impact on their ability to do their jobs, but it's not to actually take the training. And it gets even more critical when you're designing for like a sales rep or a revenue generating employee, because every moment that we're asking them to participate in a training or, or one of our programs or read uh, something that we're sending to them, they're not driving revenue, right? We're taking them away from their daily job. And yet, we know that if we do it right, it will be a, a, a multiplier for them and it has to be a multiplier for them. So those of us in revenue enablement or sales enablement, we really always have to be thinking about how are the programs and the trainings and the resources that we're rolling out, how does it align with the way A, adults learn and also be worth taking the salesperson's time or the revenue generating employee's time to be able to participate in so that there is a revenue generating multiplier result of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I love about you, the way you do your work is that you're always very thoughtful about how you design trainings and programs by really keeping in mind 
the reality of a salesperson's life. And you mentioned already that, you, you know, the empathy you have having been a salesperson plays a big part in here. So what are some of those key principles that you keep in mind when you're designing programs for a sales or revenue generating team? Oh, well, like what's funny is that it really matters what's going on in their world at the time. And, um, you know, what, what they need to obtain to do their job well, like, does it make sense for everyone to get together versus, you know, be able to access information at any time, like, you know, in the cab ride on the way to, I can't believe I just said cab, it's 2020, <laughs> in the Uber or Lyft on the way to the, on the way to the meeting. Um, how do you, how do you get inside their head is basically just thinking, all right, what would I want to do? And I know that sounds really easy, but if I needed to learn a skill where I needed to really get good at asking open-ended questions, that's something you need to workshop in person. Um, it might take a few hours. And in that case, you want to think about how to get people away from their, you know, emails and everything. And how do you support them in an in-person training that feels like an enjoyable change of pace versus like some tedious thing they have to go do when, when they really would rather be at their desk or, you know, mm -hmm. on the road. Um, in terms of knowledge transfer, if there's something where you say, um, it's really important that reps need to know this. Okay, sure. But are you going to make them sit still and listen to you drone on and on like a college professor? Or do you tell them where to find the information they need? Mm. Um, I have some friends who are doctors and they say, we don't um, actually always remember the exact dosage of a medicine. You know, like there might be three standard recommended doses, low, medium, high, but we don't remember exactly what that is when we write the prescription. Um, we know where to go and get those doses. Mm -hmm. um, and so thinking about how the salesperson is being asked to step away from their day to day, how do you support them in getting that skill or accessing that information without being detrimental to their productivity? Yeah, I mean, I think what I hear you saying is like, what do they have to be able to do with this information, right? Mm -hmm. Is it something that they have to commit to memory or is it something that they can look up, right? Like they may mm -hmm. have to commit to memory, you know, to use your example of the, of the medical professionals, like they may have to commit to memory the type of treatment to give to somebody with a specific ailment, but the exact dosage you can look up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and being able to, you know, always be asking what do they have to be able to do with it? Do they have to be, do they have to practice it or do they, ha or do they just have to be able to find it? And I think, you know, when you say that, I think about, you know, the world that we live in today, we are in, a, we, we live in an on-demand world. And, you mm -hmm. know, I joke that if, you know, if I got arrested and went to jail, I couldn't call anybody because I don't <laughs> know anybody's phone number because I have a cell phone that tells me their phone numbers. When I was a kid, I knew phone numbers, right? Because uh -huh. I'm old enough to remember a day when we didn't have it, uh, didn't have that. So you have to ask yourself, is this something they're going to be able to look up? Do they know where to look it up? That's mm -hmm. the key. Mm -hmm. or, and what do they have to be able to do when they're in their day to day? And I think when you tell a salesperson, I, I get in the habit of starting every training, whether it's online or in person, at the end of the training, you'll be able to, mm -hmm. like, this is what we're going for. And then they go, oh, okay, that's what I'm, that's what I'm paying attention for. Mm -hmm. Not, this is all the information that you could have on a specific topic that you may or may not ever use because they're just going to shut off. Anyone would shut off, especially then going back to our, our comments earlier about the revenue being, being revenue generating don't waste our time, right? And if, if you don't need to, you know, take an extra 10 minutes to go over something that they're not going to need, don't, don't do it, right? Don't do it. And my attention span is terrible. Um, and I think it's because I'm, I'm just kind of a revved up person and I'm always like trying to get as much done during the day and all that. And so, you know, even though I try to get better at that, um, 
when I'm sitting in a meeting and I feel like my time is being wasted, it is a struggle (laughs) to stay in it because I'm thinking, oh gosh, I have so much to do. And especially salespeople, they have that number just looming Mm -hmm. and that's enough. That's, you know, a good salesperson is going to be self-driven. It's just like when parents say, I hardly have to fuss at her because she just brings the shame on herself when she's done something bad. Um, And so that they are plenty motivated to do the right thing. You don't need to like wag a finger at a professional. Um, But then on top of that, some sales managers can be fairly intense. Um, And so, you know, I would just see it in people's eyes. We'd be in a meeting that would drone on and they just start looking, you know, at the exit, (laughs) looking anxious. Um, that, that, that's not even an opportunity, not only for learning, but for culture at your company. It's, it's at that point, you're just mandating how they spend their time and not letting them have agency. Um, and I think having a lot of agency is what makes good salespeople incredible. Yeah. And I love your point of, um, if a salesperson thinks that they're, it's going to help them, they're going to want to learn it because they're mm-hmm. driven to make the number, right? And if mm-hmm. they feel like you, what, what, what you're asking them to do, read, listen to, participate in, is going to help them get their number better and faster, they'll be there all day long. Oh, yeah. However, the opposite is true too. If it's a waste of their time, if they can't see how it's going to help them make their number, they're going to completely shut off. So A, sometimes you have to connect the dots for them, but also make sure it's going to help them make their number, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it should make their number... In the next three, you know, six, three to six to, to nine weeks, not in six months from now, right? Don't, don't, if, if, you know, I use this, like, uh, I've had this conversation recently with a client of mine who they're trying to figure out when to roll out product training. And my first question is, when are they going to be selling it, right? If, if they're going to be selling it in six months, no, don't do it today. If they're going to be selling it in three weeks and they need to practice their demo, yeah, do it today. So we have to ask the question because, and this is, this is, you know, the way adults learn anyway, but the salesperson who's revenue generating is even more important. Like it has to be relevant. And if it's relevant, they'll be, they'll be engaged. And if it's not relevant, they're not going to be engaged and, and you're going to lose credibility with them. So true. And it's just, that's human nature in general. Like um, that was something that we talked about in the coaching study that I did um, enrolling the client and the outcome. So thinking about like right now, I'm, uh, I just started working with a personal trainer. And if she said, um, by working together, you're going to um, increase your lat strength by this percent and this and that. And like, I don't know what, and like just say all these really dry things. I'd be like, okay. But if she said, you are going to be able to um, be able to do more and go on hikes longer that you um, have always been wanting to go to. And then this and that without injury, I'd be like, sign me up. Yes. You need to enroll the person in the outcome. And so in a sales context, it's like you said, like, you know, maybe we have a product launch and there's a competitive edge. You want to get ahead of someone who's um, battling for the same market share, like really get someone psyched up. Like this is going to help you. And versus like, mandatory training. Like I cannot stand when someone puts in all caps, mandatory training, that just hurts my feelings. (laughs) It just means like, um, I'm going to be miserable for two hours. Yeah. Am I choosing to come here or am I being forced to come here? Right. Exactly. And, and, and yeah, you, you may have to make a mandatory, mm-hmm. but tell them why. Don't use that mandatory training. Like we're, we're requiring this training and here's why. And then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, okay. I, I understand that. Yeah. Like teamwork. Like let's all get on the same page so that we can just knock it out when yeah. versus you got to come. And that is a big piece that I have struggled with a lot as a full-time employee. I mean, I'm sorry, full, yeah, just someone on staff as a sales enablement person or as a consultant is, um, well, I wouldn't say struggle with, but like constantly and challenged to 
remind sales leadership, this is not a band-aid. Mm. This is not a thing, you know, I mean, it would be easy just to be like, here's our stuff. Bye. Yeah. But you know, like the real true change happens when people understand why the leadership cares. And yeah. so the leadership has to model that the training is important. And the reason why it's not just relying on the sales tr training team, because otherwise you look like people that just keep issuing stuff that nobody cares about. Yeah, the training of the minute or whatever. And the salespeople mm -hmm. start like, oh, here we go, the training of the minute versus mm -hmm. this is becoming part of our sales culture. This is becoming part of our mm -hmm. our company culture or our day-to-day -day motion. And oh my God, you just hit a nerve with me because <laughs> one of the things that I always, that, that just, I try to coach sales leaders how to behave in a sales training. Um, whether it's remote or live, like take it and ask questions and, and to be able to help the, the team realize that it's important to you. Bring it into the day-to-day -day deal conversations and, and forecasting conversations and because that's how it sticks. It's not the actual training. This is maybe um, you know, a point to get across. It's like we can't sprinkle fairy dust and overnight everybody is skilled in something new, but it's not training is not going to do that. That will remember only a percentage of what you hear, but it's the repetition afterwards. It's the practice afterwards, mm -hmm. the application afterwards. And that is a partnership between the sales leadership or the frontline management and the sales enablement team. And so I, I love that you made that point. And, you know, one of the habits that I've gotten into is, is pre-train the sales team, the sales leaders so that they can be there and be your partners and then help you um, to, facilitate it. And one thing that just gets me and I, and I try to help sales leaders understand that don't come into the sales training room and sit in the back on your on, on emails. Cause the message uh -huh. you're sending is this is not important. Uh -huh. No, be there around the room, walk around the room, help us facilitate, be up in front of us. Or if it's a remote training, one of the best, um, remote training experiences that I ever had is we were rolling out a new product and our sale and we did it all via work ramp, our, our learning management system and our sales VP took every course before anybody else did and shared with everybody what he learned nice. and all of a sudden it was like mm, it's important to travis so it's important to me and it was amazing the participation we had and so you have to develop that partnership so really great point yeah. and it's funny because you know i understand i mean if you know i'm busy if, if i don't have to do something you know, and, yeah. you know i'm like oh, do i have to do that like especially if you think you know something one of the most awesome things is when a sales leader says to me wow, I really learned something there. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect that. And it's usually something um, around a product training or an industry training or, you know, something like that where, um, you know, it's, it's everyone putting their minds together. And so when someone in enablement interviews a lot of people, they will come up with a really um, yeah. holistic view of something that maybe someone working in just one part of that industry hadn't really thought of. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a vague way to say it. But, you know, in terms of you know, have you thought about how you're, you're going to market your product is like something you might say if you're a marketing salesperson versus what are your plans right now with a constricting retail environment to mm -hmm. um, protect your market share? Like there's a way you can speak on a larger level that people really get versus just kind of being rote and going through the questions. And I think yeah. putting a lot of minds in that discussion really helps help you build yeah. that muscle. And, and, and as you're saying, I'm thinking like, think about your audience, right? Think about who, who are you going to be training with and what is the knowledge that they're bringing to the table previously? And again, we said this earlier, but how are they going to use it? Mm -hmm. It's not about the knowledge. It's what are they going to do with the knowledge? So really great points. So I think this is something that many sales and enablement professionals and subject matter experts in particular really struggle with designing effective and engaging trainings for salespeople. And I believe that there's both an art and a science and we're talking about it a little bit, but there needs you need to really be very thoughtful of how do you design an, an impactful training that's going to be remembered. So 
based on the uniqueness of the sales role and some of the things that we've that we've discussed up to this point, what design structure do you follow that to really make the learning engaging and impactful for that salesperson? Well, um, you know, just like you said, just you know, thinking about where it'll be used, how it'll be used, um, always staying at, um, on top of all the technology that's available to us, and which is a real treat, right? Like trying to convince leadership that you need all the technologies. Um, but that would be in a perfect world, you know, where you might have something like a very cohesive learning environment. Um, people say academy, university. I'm kind of mixed on that. Sometimes people are like, Ugh, when they see that. But whatever you want to call it. And the reason why is because some people have aversion to school. Um, yeah. They associate that with sitting still with their hands, you know, on their desk and looking, you know, docile. And so how do you create this online learning environment where you feel like you can trust it? So when I'm thinking about how to design a piece of training, I'm like, is this something that lives in that, in that online catalog? Is this where that's your North star where you're like, you know what, I bet there's a training on that. Like that's what you want to get people used to is to go check that thing. If they want to enrich themselves with like a 10 or 15 minute training. If it's something like um, making sure someone knows a detail on the fly, this is where something like, um, you know, the technologies that support sales playbooks by just search terms um, or knowledge bases that are a little more nimble. A lot of knowledge bases can be really clunky and make your eyeballs hurt. Mm -hmm. um, so think about, you know, what could I design that is really elegant that someone could search quickly, maybe on the road um, using mobile on iffy Wi-Fi on a plane. I think about, you know, is it something that they're going to use once or is it something they're going to need to return to? So there are a lot of, um, a lot around like where does that thing live is super important um, and that's why I keep stressing it because um, I've worked with a couple of companies who think about sales enablement like it's almost like marketing where they have a deliverable every week they think that mm -hmm. it's just a stream it's good no one's reading every white paper out there no yes. one's doing that no one's reading every email from you know a furniture company nobody has time for that you cannot do that with sales enablement so you need to figure out your how you're going to announce it to people and distribute it another thing i think about um, when designing training start to finish is if i'm you know just pulling out a sheet of paper and scratching out the outline um, back to what you said and you know, what are you going to get out of this? So I always have the introduction, the what is it, the why it matters, mm. and then jump into it. So the why it matters might be why it matters to your job or our company or within the industry, or most importantly, to your client. Um, why does anyone care? And then I jump into the specifics and then um, really just keep trying to bring it back to the salesperson's customer. Um, because otherwise you're not helping them. If you're just like, here's the information. Okay, good luck. And yeah. So you want to say, yeah. okay, great. What problems does this solve for the client? How can you ask questions around that? Um, you know, what, where will you go if you run into something that isn't answered by an FAQ? I always in every training with where do you go for more information? Mm -hmm. What I find is that I often ask that question of the subject matter experts and they go, huh, I'm like, I got to put something there. <laughs> so, I love that. I think it's, you know, I, I don't back down from that. Like, should we create a Slack channel? Do we name a person? You know, what do we do? Yep. Because yep. you have to close the loop that way. This is a conversation and not just one single deliverable. Yeah. So I love the structure. So it's like, what do you have to be able to do? And why should you care? And why should you care? Should be you, the salesperson, you, the company, you, the space. And then the knowledge itself, like, what is it? And then examples, right? Examples to apply it 
examples and application, I think I heard you say, to apply mm -hmm. to the real life. Because again, why am I teaching to you if you're not going to use it in real life? And then where do you find more information and where do you go? Because to, to, to bring it back full circle to what we said earlier, they're not going to remember everything they heard. And it might not even click right away. But mm -hmm. when they're in that, when they're in that um, you know, when they get that question from the buyer and they're like, oh, I remember we, this was in a training, where do I go mm -hmm. to find it? And to yeah. your point, the other thing too that I that I love that you said is subject matter experts have so much information in their head and there's mm -hmm. only so much you're going to cover in the actual training, but maybe there's more that some people might be interested in. So put that information, somebody who, who has the need or desire to go deeper, but what you're teaching them is what they actually need and how in, in reality of their day-to-day -day lives, right? And the examples of their, of their work context. Mm -hmm. And you raise a point with that, that, um, some people love to nerd out over the details. And you know, we were talking offline before this conversation here about the different types of organizations we've gotten to work with as consultants. And some of this stuff is really straightforward and some of the content is like, huh? <laughs> like it's so mind blowing, like whether it's technology or communications or something. So um, depending on how people ingest information, some people kind of need to hang out with it for a minute and it helps yeah. to have a conversation with the SME, like a Q&A. What I have found is don't force people to do a Q&A. Um, someone would argue with me that, well, maybe they'll hear something that they weren't expecting. Capture it, post it later. Yeah. Because people who don't want to be in one will actually leak the effectiveness out of the room. You know, yeah. when they're checking their email yeah. and stuff. Um, give people the opportunity to get back to their desk. Some people just like to check written information. That's how they learn. That's cool. Some yeah. people like to be in it. That's cool too. Figure out how to break it up so that you're making the most use of their time and allowing them again to have agency to choose how to learn. And that requires yeah. us to build more stuff. Yeah, so like build the blend and make certain things like everybody's gonna go through this or everybody has a basic you know, foundation and then choose your own adventure, right? Mm -hmm. You can come to a Q&A, you can check the Slack channel, you can check the, learn the knowledge management, you can go back to the training whatever you need. And what, what, as you say, what I'm picturing is they're going to go back to the, to that Q and A that you posted when they need it. Right. Cause again, they have, they, they may have a customer call they have to get on or they don't think that's going to, you know, it's going to be in there. Um, it's going to come up for them this question, but when it does, they're, they're very appreciative that they can find it. Yeah. And I'm going to say something a little controversial sounding here, but it's in the spirit of supporting those of us in sales enablement, because I really am, am passionate about this but I am not trying to create more work for myself when I say you need to think of all the things you yeah. need to think of all the materials that come with a training, not just one quick e-learning because people are going to like space out, check their email through it, just click, you know, get, get out of it. Your initial investment in either a full-time employee, and that's not just the, their salary, but their time, giving them yeah. the time and space and support to create a suite of things to support yeah. the, the, the learning as well as the change in behavior um, or process that is worth a little investment on the front end to get it right versus making that one person crank a lot of stuff out. That's just good enough. Um, and this isn't like, you don't need like studio lighting and perfect design for everything. You know, I just mean like the quality of the information. Yeah. And, and thinking about how people can absorb it. If you don't put the effort in on the front end, you are wasting your money on sales enablement. You know, it's interesting because I, I remember once somebody came over to me on a Thursday and said, could you whip up a training for my team by Monday? And I was like, no. 
<laughs> I'm good. But I'm not that not good. If you, not if you want it to be worth anything, right? Yeah. Like, no, because it takes more thought. And, and it's an interesting um, point that you bring up because I think today, one of the big struggles that sales and women is facing is that things are so dynamic and they're moving so quickly and things mm-hmm. are changing so quickly. So how do I be agile, but at the same time also put out something that's, that's worth it? And how do I be timely and also put out something that's worth it? So I think there's a little bit of a, of a, um, a, a middle of the road that we have to get at right now or be a little bit more... Um, just design this alliance with our learners to say, we're going to give you the information in the best possible way, as true it is, as it is today, knowing that we're in this dynamic time that mm-hmm. we're, that we're in. Um, so it doesn't have to be the most perfect thing in the world, but it also should be thoughtful of what are the different modes of, of media and learning styles that mm-hmm. you can use and, and what are the different, and I think it comes back to the, the question of how are they going to need to use this? Are they going to need it um, just in time or is it something they're going to mm-hmm. take and, and read for a long time? More so than you have to have 70 different assets for everyone training. That's not, I don't think that's what you're saying. Right, but, right. It's like, yeah. how do you, yes, yeah, so you customize it, but it's like, you don't just issue one quick e-learning for everything because yeah. it might need reference guides, you know, or it usually does. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you need to think about the whole suite that you issue, but not for the sake of the assets as much as what gets the job done. And yeah, might, and then what, 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 what supporting material are you going to get for, let's say, mm-hmm. the customer-facing conversation? One of the things that, that, that I like to do when, I, when I'm designing something is I sit down and say, what are all the assets that I need or all the resources that I need? We need a training. We need knowledge management. We need mm-hmm. a customer-facing deck. We need a quiz. We need an application. And then I'm like, okay, what's my order of priority and how are they all working together? But mm-hmm. you, you want to think of, the, of the, the full package. So a really great point. And it has to work together. You're so right because yeah. I've seen some people – being very well-meaning, different people tackle different pieces and they're not consistent. Yeah. And, you know, so you really need to, you know, they're not horribly inconsistent, but it's clear that it's not cohesive. And so you, you definitely want to f- think about the experience that the end user is having. Learner, yeah. Because also if, if it's not cohesive, then they start questioning which is mm-hmm. more accurate than others. And, and they don't necessarily connect the dots that, oh, this is all working together. This is yes. the same topic, it's the same information. So really great point. So, you know, talking about the times we're living in, things are moving very, very fast. They, they move fast in, in the best of times, but mm-hmm. it's obviously now, you know, we're, we're, we're filming this during the pandemic and things are changing really, really quickly. Um, what are how and so what are some ways that you can provoke approach providing training and updating the customer facing teams without causing them this tremendous overwhelm or whiplash yeah that's um really important right now and also the the emotional experience that the country is going through you know between the pandemic and the black lives matter movement and our attention is elsewhere and it should be um and so where do we you know how do we support people and not just throw stuff at them. And I've seen one client give people more space to breathe and I feel like they're doing really well. I've seen one client mean well and schedule more trainings and they're thinking, okay, we're stuck here. You know, we might as well, cause they have an infield uh, sales team. We might as well learn. But to them, to those people, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to pay attention to something again, when your mind and heart are elsewhere. And so yeah. um, I think a light touch is really important right now. I think being open to supporting in live conversation is important. So what I mean by that is maybe you say, um, maybe instead of scheduling a separate training that you normally didn't have, you do a commercial in like the weekly meeting or something like get Mm -hmm. the sales manager to speak for you and say, Hey, so our sales enablement team put together this package. You're going to be seeing it later today. It's Mm going to support you in back to enrolling in the outcome, you know, to help us do this thing right now. Um, 
you know, maybe lighter on the quiz, lighter on the completion time. Um, and, and just let the people show you that, that they can do it without you telling them how to do it. I, I find like a lot of constraint right now is, is not helpful in any capacity. Um, and then, then check in with them and then keep it an open conversation. How was that training? How, yeah. you know, what, what else would you like to know? And then have an office hour maybe with that subject matter expert that's optional. Um, but I think really, um, you know, just, just really trying to uh, not force it is really important right now. Two things that you said that I really, really love is A, check in with them. Ask them, what are you, what are you coming up against that you need my help with? Or, or what do I need to go a little deeper into? Or is this, is this working? Is it enough? I think that's, that's tremendously important. And the other one is, they, salespeople have said to me over the past weeks, just let me sell. Like, I, mm -hmm. it's so hard to sell right now. Just let me sell. Mm -hmm. And so everything that I'm working on, I'm asking, like, is this worth their time? That, that is it going to help them sell better, right? And mm -hmm. do they need more? And I love your idea of, like, asking the sales manager to, you know, to talk about it in their, in their team meeting and, and think about the different ways that you can enroll people, but also be very mindful of, like, do they really need it? And then maybe you just have, you know, open office hours to come and tell us because we might not even know what they're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. There's really no playbook right now and, and it changes every week. And so what, what are you, um, what are you needing, right? And then also, uh, you know, remember that they're human beings and there's a lot going on in their lives. And there's also this, like, you know, they, they live and die by their number. And if it's hard for them to make their number, we have to know that's going to be hard for them to learn because they can't really concentrate. So I think keeping all those things in mind is, is incredibly important. Um, so, you know, to, to kind of take this, to keep, you know, bring this conversation, wrap it up a little bit. Is there anything, you know, we talked about we're doing this during COVID. Is there anything that we're doing today as a result of the pandemic and its aftermath that you think should become best practices in the long term? Hmm. You know, um, I think that people are, are being more genuine. That mm. has been a really wonderful thing that's come of this is, you know, just asking, you know, how are you doing? Cause first yes. of all, it takes something so awful to be like, before we go on, how are you doing? But yeah. every, every meeting, every call, whether it's a total stranger or someone I talk to every day is a genuine, how are you check-in? And I love that. And I hope that stays the same because I think a lot of times we put up our armor at work and we're like, we're fine. Everything's fine. And, yep. um, I just think we have just, to, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And having a culture of just um, naming it, like, yeah, you know, the kids were had a bad night's sleep, and so I did too. So bear with me if I'm a little yeah. slow here. Everyone's like, oh gosh, I understand that. You know, like yeah. no one's going to be like, you're a bad worker. So I think the genuine check-in at the beginning is really. I, I hope that stays, and I, I hope that also when we part ways on the phone or in person, um, mostly on the phone or in Zoom right now we say things like take good care. Yeah. And I hope that stays too, I because I mean yeah. it, because, um, you know, from a human element, that's just good. Yeah. And then from a sales element, I think anything that any habits, um, cultural habits, um, that allow us to connect with people as humans is going to just help us all in the long run. I mean, and from a sales perspective too, people buy from people, right? Humans buy mm -hmm. from humans. And it, yes, they're buying your technology, your service or whatever you're offering, but they're buying from human being. And is, yep. assuming that what you're offering them is what they need, they may or may go, they may, may or break their decision to go with you because you were human. And you know, what, what I find that the pandemic has done is the entire world is going through a shared experience. Mm -hmm. And let's leverage that, right? We're all starting with the shared experience. And so we were able to connect in a way that we weren't able to, that we, but we didn't even rem remember to connect in before. So yes. we continue that it, and not have to have 
pandemics and protests and, and, and you know, all these horrible things happening, um, the need for the protest is what's horrible in my mind. But yes. that, that all those things, then, and we could just do it in, you know, on a regular Wednesday, mm-hmm. then, you know, life will be better. I really am so glad that we had this conversation. I love your perspective. I love that quote from your professor. <laughs> um, I'm going to use it. I'm going to remember it. Um, it's probably worth repeating one more time. Sure. It's Dr. Samir Hesney, trademarked uh, name, Mr. Magazine, as in <laughs> that's his, his brand name. Um, he's a magazine consultant, um, does tons of interviews every year. And his main quote is more information in less time and less space. Love it. Love it. I think if we do that and, and tie it to why the person needs it, why the salesperson needs it, and what they're going to be able to do with it, we're going to be pr- uh, producing content that's worthy for them and going to help them to 10x whatever it is that, that we're trying to get them to do. So thank you so much for your time today and your wisdom that you shared and your incredible perspective. Um, I really, really appreciate your time and I hope you stay safe and well and continue to do the great work you're doing. Thank you, Rose. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Time flies when we chat. Mm-hmm. Thank you. As we close out today's episode, we would like to thank purpleplanet.com for our music production. And we thank you for listening. We encourage you to get in touch with us with any requests for future topics, any questions that you have, or just to say hello. We can be found at level213.com. That's L-E-V-E-L. And then the digits 213.com. Or you can always find us on LinkedIn as well. Have a great day.